Connecting for Positive Change. So hello everyone and welcome back to the third episode in a short series of podcasts focusing on industrial decarbonisation and in particular the Industrial Energy Transformation Fund provided by the Department for Energy Security and Net Zero. My name is Jenny MacDonald and this podcast series is brought to you by Innovate UK on behalf of Desnes. The purpose of the podcast series is to encourage the permanent deployment of industrial energy efficiency and decarbonisation technologies with support from the Industrial Energy Transformation Fund. The fund is providing capital investment to industrial sites in England, Wales and Northern Ireland to help them to reduce their energy demand and carbon emissions associated with their industrial process. There is also a sister fund, the Scottish IETF, provided by the Scottish Government, which offers similar support. And you can find more information about the IETF programme at the link in the description below. And do sign up to receive Innovate UK KTN newsletters and updates on the IETF fund when it returns for phase three in 2024. So joining me today, I'm pleased to say we have Simon Proctor from Mitsubishi Chemicals and James Finley from Aseco UK. Hello, both of you. Would you like to introduce yourselves and your role within the organisation? So, Simon, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, hi, Jenny. Thanks very much for having us. Uh, yeah, so I'm Simon Proctor and I work for Mitsubishi Chemicals UK and I work for Sonal um, in the UK. Uh, my role is uh, head of Project Puma. And Project Puma is a, a large chemical and plant investment project that's happening in the north of England. Um, we are currently being partially supported by the IETF for part of the scope of that project, and uh, that's on the Salt and Chemicals Park, which is in the Humber region. Lovely, thank you very much. And James? Yeah, hi Jenny. Um, so James Findlay uh, from Seiko UK. Uh, my role is a Financial Controller and Company Secretary. Um, so, so my role within uh, within the IETF was uh, the, the the funding opportunity uh, and the grant, uh, really. Um, so we are uh, based in Wakefield, West Yorkshire, um, and we are a, uh, a producer of sodium, ammonium, and potassium derivatives uh, products um, into the water treatment, oil and gas, feed, agriculture uh, industries predominantly. That's great. Thank you. Well, thank you both for coming along to share your experience of the IETF with us. Before we get into the detail on what you're deploying with help from the IETF, I wonder if you could both share your views on the challenges of the for the chemical sector as a whole as the, you move towards net zero. So, James, would you like to go first on, on your view on that? Yes, of course. Um, so I think there's uh, there's three three things really um, which which are linked. So I think it, we need a reliable and competitive clean energy supply, um, and I think that that, that to get there, um, I think uh, we need to see the next next sort of generation of climate policies and uh, carbon reduction schemes, um, and linked with that, how how do we deploy um, and develop those those sort of technologies. Um, um, from a site like ours as well, that's relatively small, um, I think uh, the scalability of some of the, the, the technology around carbon capture uh, and things like that um, is important um, from, a, from a smaller smaller size perspective in terms of re reaching that net zero uh, target. Yeah, very good. And Simon, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I just want to say I sort of really fully support James's view on that um, 
to start with. I think sort of in I see in the UK generally a number of significant challenges in terms of resources, and that being on a number of key fronts really. Yeah, I think if we sort of place the current economic context aside um, from from that, is um, all, all those uh, organisations in the UK looking to invest in net zero projects are, are ultimately needing to compete. Um, you know, for projects against uh, net zero projects, against projects that will extend their existing asset lives. And um, especially when that's competing against an environment where, where there may be overseas investments involved as well. Yeah. Equally, um, really for new ventures, um, it's uh, about the, those organisations obtaining the required level of government support and investment backing. And I think, you know, the IETF funding is, is, a, is a good way of, of sort of demonstrating that but it's really being able to allow those new ventures to be able to deploy uh, technology at scale um, with a high degree of agility um, and, you know, cutting out levels of bureaucracy that are, I think currently, currently exist. Um, the, the project, you know, UK major project, in, you know, environment is, uh, is a challenge and, you know, every project has its own bespoke environment in which to operate in. But I think, you know, a collective challenge to, the deployment of any projects in the UK largely is the, the sort of real lack of professional skilled and semi-skilled labour in the UK. And this really presents a challenge to organisations to make those projects or those net zero projects competitive, particularly when they're benchmarked against other projects within organisations or projects from overseas as well. So, yeah, I certainly see sort of uh, a bit more of a holistic set of challenges that are not just you know through funding but ultimately also loop to the resources and the right skills in order and, and the technology to be able to deploy at sites uh, and you know in an agile environment yeah i completely agree i mean we see the, uh, the the issue of the lack of skills across all sectors for net getting to net zero it, it really is a becoming a real blocker now so uh, yeah I, I'm not surprised at all that's affecting the chemical industry. Um, James, would you like to expand on and why decarbonisation is so important to your particular company and, and what measures you've already put in place to make your operations more resilient and sustainable? Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think there's a there's a few things that sort of drive us towards the decarbonisation. I think that you know, uh, firstly, there's a I think there's a moral obligation um, that you know it's the right thing to do for us, for our society, and, and the community as well. So I think that that's that's an important part of that. Um, I think in terms of customers as well, I think it's becoming more important for customers. Um, the expectation of our customers uh, are changing in terms of uh, of net zero and uh, and CO two um, emissions, uh, and ultimately, I think that's driven by by the consumer and the, the changing mindset of the consumer. Um, I think uh, thirdly. Um, it will lead to a more sustainable cost structure. I think we've all seen over the past few years the the, the volatility of energy prices, and I think going towards net zero um, and having that more, um, I think like I said in the first question, a competitive, reliable, clean energy source will will give us a more sustainable cost structure with uh, less volatility uh, in in energy prices. Um, in terms of uh, what we're already doing, um, it's something that um, we, we are part of a, of a larger group, Italian-owned group, and it's something that we've uh, we've been a, an ESG strategy for around 15 years now. 
starting with uh, the chloralkali division of the group. So um, what's, what's quite positive there is sort of become part of the DNA of the group. Um, he's central to the strategy and led from the top uh, of the organisation. Um, I think things that we've done and are doing around the group, um, we, we've got uh, um, solar panels both on-site and through, through some PPA agreements um, in Italy. Uh, we're also installing solar panels in the UK uh, right now uh, on-site. Um, we have a hydroelectric energy plant over in Italy. Um, and the Italian plant um, also uh, have deployed the same technology as us um, that the ITF is supporting with. Yeah. Um, so we've leveraged that experience from the group as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's the sort of things that, that, that we're doing and, uh, and reducing. I mean, in terms of our own UK um, CO2 consumption, we're, ex we're expecting to reduce to 25% of where we are now by 2025 that's in great the UK. particularly good to hear that it's um what you're doing with spot from the itf is is leading to changes elsewhere in the group and that's kind of the the net zero the benefit from net zero is is reaching other countries so that's great and um, simon would you like to uh, share mitsubishi's carbon strategy as well yeah, so I mean, at the moment, uh, you know, globally, Mitsubishi Chemicals and you know, translating down to Mitsubishi Chemicals in the UK, we're going through quite a significant amount of change currently, and that's under a new group strategy of, of what we call Forge in the future, and I'll maybe expand a little bit more on that later. Really, what that intends to do is make our organisation more resilient, and you know, we're seeing many different facets of of, of change, and that's focusing on. You know areas of digitalization and and electrification of our operations and we've already got numerous sites that have deployed you know carbon reduction measures already at the sites and and we've got a number of those that are on that also equally on that journey um, ultimately mitsubishi is looking to um, invest in its most sustainable products and bring them to the market and um, what we are seeing is some difficult decisions within the business where we are closing carbon heavy facilities in the UK and globally. And that's also part of our part of our goal to reach net zero by 2050. Mm. So we have a number of sort of short term measures that we're taking and, you know, the project that we're employing, deploying through the IETF is, is one such example. Um, but it, it does form part of a, a greater strategy that to, to make ultimately more sustainable products um, that, that, that have got, kind of got a circular path. And we're looking at initiatives of recycling, transitioning the energy usage on our sites and ultimately reducing energy as well at all of our sites. So, And that comes through investment in science of technology. So we're doing a lot of investment in those areas. And we already have a, quite an abundance of technology um, that's available at our fingertips. It's just about deploying them and linking them to our net zero target. So, okay, so it's good to hear that the the new the net zero work that you're doing is will hopefully lead to a growth for Mitsubishi. Um, you mentioned that some of the sites, the the sort of dirtier sites, will have to be closed down. Um, does the growth in the company mean that jobs will be secure? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, you know, it's a two-sided coin. Um, you know, ultimately, we are closing down 
some assets that are, you know, carbon heavy facilities. But at the same time, and, and this is in the UK, we are actively invested in new sites with newer, te newer greener technology, which will take us to net zero. So yeah, that, I don't see it. we don't see that as negative in our organisation. It's, uh, it's seen as a positive. Right. Thank you, Simon. And I guess now, if you'd like to um, now talk about your um, IETF funding and, and what it helped you to deploy at your site in Hull. Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, in terms of the IETF funding, um, it actually forms part of a greater project for Mitsubishi Chemicals. So we are currently investing in one of our key sustainable products, which is Sonol. And this is a Sonol plant that we are building in uh, in the Humber region in the UK. And that doubles our production capacity for the site. The new plant, that, um, the new process design um, integrates a range of small to large improvements in, that reduce already energy demand and also its impact on the environment. And, and the package that the IETF is supporting us with financially is, is, a, is some scope to install a thermal, a thermal oxidizer uh, for gaseous waste incineration. And ultimately what we're doing is we're taking um, the waste heat recovery from that to generate site steam for our site. Um, so it's a combination of reducing emissions um, and also energy demand um, versus what is our current conventional flaring. So, you know, so, you know, thermal oxidizers aren't necessarily new technology. I, I get that, but it's a, a step towards net zero for us. And when we combine that with our existing operations, um, it more than doubles the benefits. Uh, and that's really very much what we're seeing from the supported funding from the IETF. Um, I guess that's the good thing about the IETF. It is capital investment to help you deploy things that the latest state-of-the-art technology, but not necessarily something that is um, under development through R&D. It, it is capital investment to help you straight away to reduce your emissions right now. Um, so yeah, sure. And sure, and we've, we've really considered um, sort of future resilience within there. So, you know, we, we appreciate that we need to um, consider the future integration of regional hubs for carbon capture and hydrogen production. And so as part of the design process of that thermal oxidizer, we've, we've made sure that it is able to transition in the future um, and integrate carbon capture and the use of hydrogen as a fuel source as well. So, um, yeah, we're very mindful of, of, of the next steps. Yeah. yeah, lovely. Thank you very much. And, and James, would you like to give us an overview of your IETF project as well that you uh, deployed at your site in Wakefield? Yeah, so ours is effectively uh, waste heat recovery. So um, what, what we do is produce sulfur dioxide, um, done at very high heat. Um, and at the moment, we, we have to cool that. Um, so what, what we're using the IETF grant for is to um, capture the heat through a waste heat boiler and generate the process steam to use to use on site. Um, what what that'll do for us? Um, it'll decrease our natural gas consumption through traditional gas boilers by ninety five percent, and also reduce our scope one and scope two um, CO two emissions by around sixty eight percent on the UK side. Um, we we are also um, installing a small turbine to generate a small amount of electricity probably around 22 percent of the site's uh, site's consumption um 
so yeah, that's effectively what 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 we're doing um, using a current production process of uh, making SO two and capturing that heat to uh, generate process steam to use on site rather than using gas. Mm-hmm. Another great project, and the percentages you're talking about that's that's a great cut in emissions um, just from this one project. And hopefully, um, I'm sure it will. These will be uh, easy to replicate at other chemical sites as well in the UK. So I hope it's given some ideas to our listeners about how they can use the support from the IETF. Um, just to finish up our chat today, I um, want to take a look to the future. And over the last few years, we've seen public funding for R&D and with the IETF deployment of industrial decarbonisation technologies. But what further support would you like to see from government? Is the current support through the IETF fit for purpose? Or is there something more that the government could be doing to encourage you to reach net zero sooner? So, Simon, would you like to start with that one? Yeah, I mean, I think from aside from sort of overarching sort of clear policies for industry, um, and so, um, I think, you know, the government looking more holistically uh, 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 how we deploy projects and it very much links back to the earlier discussions that we had around some of the challenges I think um, you know we need to make it easy for for industry with a range of projects be them you know small to major to be able to sort of deploy and mobilize technology quickly reduce bureaucracy and in, in funding um, town planning environmental permitting um, and also to think um you know, short to, to long term in terms of the, the skilled resources that will be need it, needed in order to to, to design and, and construct and deploy those projects. Would, would you, do you see yourselves um, taking a more advantage of the IETF funding as well in the future? Yeah, I mean, sure, I've been, been a big, big advocate of it, both internally and you know, I've spoken to, to others in the industry about the access to the funding. Um, I think it's a, a great mechanism and something that we should continue to, to, to look to tap into. Just expand on that uh, wider support to make it all come together a bit quicker for you. Yeah. Lovely. And James, do you agree with Simon? Are there any gaps in the current support where government could really make a difference for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the grant grants are important. I think the IETF's great. Uh, the financial support's great, and it's a, um, it's appreciated by, by by us, and I'm sure I'm sure others that have been successful. Um, I think there's there's sort of two sides that should be aligned um, with the with the government uh, policy and strategy, and then the funding should should be sort of aligned to that. I think clean energy is a big driver. Um, how do how, how do we get that um, sort of across uh, across the UK and what does that look like? What are the technologies and then how can they be funded and deployed? Um, and I think um, from our point of view as a, as a smaller site, um, we'd, we'd welcome some grants to encourage some smaller scale uh, technologies in carbon capture, um, which which would help the smaller companies reach some some net zero funding. Um, I think that's uh, that's important as well. That's great. Well, thank you both. I'm afraid we do have to wrap up now, but I really appreciate both uh, James and Simon giving their time to talk to us today. It's been great to learn about the progress that's being made in the chemical sector in the UK with with support from the IETF. So thank you everyone for listening to this podcast series. I hope it has been useful. 
A link to Innovate UK's KTM website has been added to the description, so don't forget to sign up to receive our newsletters and IETF updates so that you can take advantage of phase three when it opens in 2024. But for now, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>